Hello and welcome to Habemus Papam, episode 103, St. Leo IV. Dear brothers and sisters, Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Habemus Papam. Hey everybody, if you remember from last week, we left off the story during a rather dramatic moment. Uh, the Saracen raiders had just attacked Rome. They had sacked the basilicas of St. Peter and St. Paul's outside the walls, and they had routed the Roman forces sent to defend them. And the Pope at the time, Pope Sergius II, didn't really do that much to stop them. And at the time of his death, the Saracens were still there menacing the city of Rome. They were hovering about, and for that moment, they were camped out at the Italian city of Gaeta. So you can imagine just how anxious the people of Rome were feeling after Sergius II's death. They needed a leader, and they needed someone that was holy, that was energetic, that was competent, and they needed one fast. And so they chose today's pope, St. Leo IV. Leo was born in Rome, but was believed to have Lombard heritage originally. He was raised in the monastery of St. Martin's in the Vatican and was recognized from an early age for his beautiful piety and his intelligence. Pope Gregory IV ordained him a subdeacon, and brought him into the papal administration at the Lateran, and later ordained him a priest and appointed him the cardinal priest of the Church of Santi Quattro Coronati. Now, after the Saracen attack, the people sought out someone with real holiness and leadership qualities to lead the Roman people out of the mess they were in. And it was clear from last week's episode that Sergius II really didn't have these qualities. He was apparently slothful and gluttonous, and his indecision and lack of energy really allowed the Saracens to do more damage than they might have done. So the Roman people sought out Leo. They came with one accord, even before Sergius' funeral, to the church of Santi Quattro Coronati, and after they overcame Leo's own objections about why he shouldn't be pope, they then proclaimed him the next pope. Now the question was, do we consecrate him right away, or do we wait for the required imperial approval? They waited a couple months because, you know, we probably should wait for the emperor. But it didn't come quickly enough. And these Saracens are still hovering around outside Rome. And we need someone who can really act. And so they consecrated Leo IV, Bishop of Rome, on Easter Sunday, 847. A lot of the earlier portion of Leo's pontificate is focused on responding to the Saracen threat. Though the raiders who had sacked Rome were eventually driven from the peninsula, the invasion was really a wake-up call that the defenses of central Italy were lacking in a lot of respects. Leo improved the coastal defenses. He invited various groups of uh, Italians and citizens to move into the vacant areas around the coast and to construct towns and then fortresses so that way they wouldn't be caught unprepared and there would be more that you have to get through in order to get to Rome. Likewise, he sought to strengthen Rome from future invasion, and he embarked on a campaign to repair Rome's city defenses. Now, Rome had a wall around it, as we've heard, but at the time, that wall did not include St. Peter's nor St. Paul's outside the walls. Now, St. Paul's is a little too far away, but St. Peter's is such an important church, and so much had grown up around it that it really needed to be included in the walls. So, Leo made the construction of the walls surrounding St. Peter's Basilica. And that constitutes today part of the territorial boundaries of Vatican City State. The Leonine Walls, as they're called, named after Pope Leo, 
ran from the mausoleum of Hadrian, which eventually became Castel San Angelo, right on the Tiber, to around St. Peter's Basilica, and then back down to the Tiber. Now, these are not necessarily the main walls that you see around the backside of Vatican City State today. Those walls were added by Urban VIII, along with the walls on the Janiculum Hill. But you can still see the Leonine walls running from Castle San Angelo straight towards St. Peter's Basilica. Now, along with these defensive improvements, Leo undertook a major building and renovation campaign in Rome itself, with some particular attention given to Santi Quattro Coronati, his titular parish. Can't blame the popes, they always pick their favorite parish. And he's ranked up with some of the greatest building popes of the time and was seen as a real renewer of Rome. Along with the physical improvements, Leo undertook to put together an alliance of Italian states to fend off the Arabic invasions into Italy. And in particular, he gathered together the navies of Naples and Rome and other local Italian city-states to form an anti-Saracen navy to help prevent these future raids. In 847, there were rumors that the Saracens were putting together an invasion force. So Caesar, the son of the king of Naples, brought his navy along with the other Italian cities to Ostia, which is the port city of Rome. And Leo met the navy there and celebrated a mass for the forces and blessed them. The next day, the Saracens appeared ready for battle, and the Christian fleet engaged them, but soon a huge storm blew up, and the storm separated the line of battle and basically did the Christian fleet's work for them, destroying a huge portion of the Saracen ships by smashing them up on the rocks nearby. After the storm, the Christians, all they had to do is just had to mop up the remaining Saracen raiders, and they captured those sailors who had survived the storm. And it was really a tremendous victory, and it did a lot to prevent further Arab attacks on Italy. Raphael actually paints a depiction of the battle, which is in today in the Vatican Museums, and it shows Pope Leo watching as the Christian forces defeat the Arab fleet. Now let's turn to some other manners. Leo anointed two future kings during his tenure as pope. The first was Louis II, the son of the emperor, who Leo anointed as Holy Roman Emperor alongside his father in 850 AD. Louis II is, of course, like the rest of the Carolingian rulers, going to play a further role in our story. Leo also anointed another royal son, Alfred, the son of Ethelwulf, king of the West Saxons. Alfred was sent by his father to Rome to meet the Pope and to receive his blessings. And an Anglo-Saxon monk named Asser, who records the incident, says that not only was Alfred anointed by the Pope, but the Pope took him as his spiritual son and stood as confirmation sponsor. So Alfred, of course, is going to grow up and be Alfred the Great, the King of England, who helps drive the Vikings and the Danes out of England. But for now, he's just a little prince who comes to visit the Pope. Now, we've got to conclude today with a character that we're going to see again next week and several episodes later. It's a man named Anastasius, the cardinal priest of San Marcello al Corso. Anastasius came from a well-to-do family. His father, Arsenius, was the bishop of Orta, a prominent position. And Anastasius seems to have been quite ambitious himself and incredibly intelligent. And combined with his family, this is probably why St. Leo IV ordained him to the priesthood. In Rome at this time, there were two factions, one which was more imperial and the other closer to the Pope, who preferred greater autonomy for the papacy. And Anastasius seems to have fallen under the imperial side and was very close to Louis II. Some say that perhaps he was scheming to be made Pope himself or somehow undercutting Pope Leo IV. But whatever it was, Anastasius fled town and his responsibilities as a priest. And several councils of clergy excommunicated Anastasius for being absent and neglectful of his duty. But this is not the last we're going to see of him. Pope St. Leo IV died on July 17, 855, 
and was buried in St. Peter's Basilica in a chapel which he had helped to renovate where Saints Leo the Great and Leo II and Leo III were buried. And he was succeeded by Pope Benedict III, but we're going to wait and hear about him next week. Thanks for listening to Habemus Papam. You can check out the rest of the Catholic Bites podcast at catholicbitespodcast.com or you can find us on iTunes. Thank you and God bless you. <laughs>